All right, bro. What's up? What's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. So, Stefan, I know that we've known each other for a really long time. Uh, recently just ran into each other the other well, the other week, the other month. Uh, and I kind of just yeah. like this in my head where I was like, that would be a dope conversation to have since we go way back. And like you have a pretty unique story compared to a lot of people that I've had conversations with on here before. So I'm going to give it to you. Let me know who Stefan is. Just give me your background and let everyone know kind of what you do and who you are. Gotcha. Cool. Well, my name is Stefan Rivera Clack. Um, I'm an online personal trainer. I've been doing personal training since I was 19, I'm 30 years old now. It's crazy how time flies. Um, so I got my certification while I was in school, um, transferred to Ohio State after going to community college, chasing the whole athletic dream that a lot of us had. Um, so once I was at Ohio State, it's where I met Bryce and uh, a lot of other Ohio State at that time had a really good fitness community. So I was very fortunate to be there at that time because it kind of helped spark me to get where I'm at now. So that's why I started doing some bodybuilding shows. And it was mostly because everyone else at the gym was doing it. So I was like, all right, yeah, I can, I can do this too. Um, kind of filled that void uh, that I was missing from basketball, football in high school. Uh, after I graduated from Ohio State with my degree in exercise science, I drove across the country to Los Angeles. I've been living there the last like five, six years and just moved back to the Columbus area this year. That's where I ran into Bryce again. And now we're here. <laughs> Dude, so you had never competed before OSU? No, I did. My uh, Okay. It was my freshman year in college. My freshman year in college at Bowling Green State University. And I came home after one semester. I, my, my whole journey there was to play basketball. And long story short, I got cut, didn't make it. Um, I shouldn't even say I got cut. I never even got onto the team. <laughs> so, so I didn't make it. It didn't happen. And when I got home, I was in a really depressed, depressed state because I never... I was always an athlete, didn't know what else to do. Um, and then I was kind of looking for something to do. My mom was a fitness person. She had, she was uh, one of the doing aerobics classes and all type of different things. And she was working at a gym. So I was like, all right, let me just, let me just try to be a trainer. I think I know I have a passion for fitness, so this could be cool. So I got my personal training certification, kind of followed the footsteps of my mom. Um, met a guy at the the gym that was uh, the other trainers, two trainers. My first job was at Anytime Fitness in Dayton, Ohio. So he was competing. This is a pretty, looking back at it, it's pretty unique. So he was competing in men's physique and I had never really thought about competing before. My mom had competed before. So, I, but I was in high school. I wasn't really too like invested in my mom's career. I was doing my own thing, but I knew she was competing. So I had a decent understanding of what it took to commit to that. So um, Dante was the trainer's name and he was like, Hey man, like you got a good physique. You're already lean. Cause you're a basketball player. You have a good amount of muscle. Just do this show with me. Um, you can literally just follow my same meal plan. So I took Dante's meal plan made for him. I don't know where he got it from. I followed his same meal plan did a show. I think it was like eight weeks prep. Um, I ended up winning the show on mess physique. So that was my first experience with competing. Um, and then from that point, my mom and Dante and people that I knew were like, yo, you got you got the right physique for this. Like, look, you didn't even try. You won. So maybe you should try this. So then I was like, yeah, I guess I can do this. And I ended up starting to train more like a bodybuilder, um, train more for aesthetics. Then I went to Ohio State, transferred to Ohio State. Um, that's where I got more into competing. So that's how it all started. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Um, I remember the first time that I saw you ever at OSU, I, I walked into Jesse Owens South and I don't remember if you were doing pull-ups or what, but you were over by like probably, 
I always do pull ups. I know you were over by like one of the squat racks, and I remember I walked in, and I'm pretty sure Eric Gutz was like working the front desk at the time, and I was like, "Bro, who the fuck is that guy over there?" And he was like, "I don't know, but he is jacked as fuck." And I was like, "You know, whenever you like see someone new at the gym and they're like bigger than you, and you just kind of like size them up from the other side of the gym, you're like, I don't want to go too close, like have look." You're like, I don't want to, I don't want this dude to show me up. But I'll have to watch him from across the gym and just like see what's going on. But dude, I remember seeing you. I was like, holy fuck, that dude is, looks insane. And the first thing in my head at that moment was, A, like, who is this guy? B, he has to be a pro. Like, he has to be competing. Like, this has to be like his thing that he does. And third thing is, like, I wonder what this guy takes. Like, I wonder what, what shit he's running right now. And for you to just be like, oh, yeah, like, I just jumped into a show. I wasn't even trying. Like, this is just some shit I was doing as a hobby. Like, I just started really training seriously. And then something we'll talk about a little bit. But, like, you are actually natural. Like, that would have blown my brain to, like, pieces if someone <laughs> tried to tell me that in the moment. Um, but obviously, like, over the years of knowing you, like, it all makes sense now. Like, you just, you have, like, a genetic <laughs> gift, man. Like, you're, what, how tall are you? Like, 5'8"? Yeah, like five, pretty much five, seven, five, eight, between there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and like for anyone who's not watching, and like even if you are watching, can't really tell, but like how much do you weigh? Like right now? Yeah, well, right now, yeah. Yeah, I'm about like 180 probably right about now. But like absolutely lean, like you just walk around lean as fuck all the time. Um, I've had my ups and downs, but right now I'm actually cutting. So I, I'm on my, I would say normal walk around weight is probably like 185. Yeah, so... Like if, if anyone can't actually see what Savon looks like, he's jacked, <laughs> like just looks. Appreciate like, you, bro. Yeah, look, look, you look like a bodybuilder, right? Um, and I remember the first time I saw you, like you looked very much like a bodybuilder. You know, you're bigger now, like you're definitely more well developed now because you've had more years under your belt to to do it. But even back then, it was just like you see people and you're like, man, you were just like meant to be doing this shit, you know? Like, yeah, that's what everyone told me. And that's kind of yeah. the main reason why I ended up doing the whole competing thing at that time. And especially at, like I said, the community at Ohio State, like a lot of people there were competing. So I felt like, I almost felt like I had to because yeah. everyone was like, you got it. And so I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> well, how, how far did you end up taking competing? Because did you, you'd never turn pro, did you? I did. That's when I started Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you want to walk me through like that whole process too? Because yeah. When did you turn pro? It was uh, our senior, my senior year at Ohio State. So it was 2016 at Northern Americas. It was the first, first year of classic physique. So that was kind of like my little route to be able to make it because they were taking more pros that year. They were taking like the first, the top two at each national show in each class. Um, so I got second place in Northern Americas in my class in 2016. Um, so that's how I got my pro card. But as far as like, the strategy leading up to that um i actually wasn't even sure like what i wanted to do because when i was i don't remember what year it was it, it had to have been that was 2016 that had to have been 2013 2014 where um i like did a i did a national show the one in miami and i got like smoked like i i don't know maybe came in like 50th or something <laughs> like, there were so many people in the class it was crazy now everyone looked good i was just small compare at that time to have enough muscle mass like i'll still look good i was shredded and everything but i didn't have enough mass to to win um or come anywhere close to that so i remember being in that moment thinking like okay like 
the only way I can really do this from my understanding is just to not even think about competing for a long time. And maybe I never will compete again, but I'm going to train my butt off as long, as hard as I can to see if I can get to that point. Um, so what I did is I'm sure you probably remember this is like, I got chubby at Ohio state. Like I wanted to calorie surplus. I was eat cause I didn't really know I wasn't as educated of course then. So I was definitely more naive. I was just eating everything. I was waking up eating Oreos for breakfast, but I was going to the gym. Um, I went to the gym. It was like, it was like a goal of mine to go to the gym every single day. So I did that for like two and a half years. Um, so I was in a calorie surplus, bulking, going to the gym every single day, Je Jesse Owen South. Uh, and then I think I went out, I got up to like 227 pounds is when I got up to only. Uh, yeah. So I was big and this was two and a half years of bulking. I didn't compete that whole time. And I remember my mom having a conversation with me, like, you're taking this too far. Like, you know, this isn't healthy. Like the whole fitness thing, you should do it for health. And I was like, oh, I'm bulking, I'm bulking. It's all good. And I actually was having, um, I had like heart palpations and I had some issues. So I went to the doctor's office and they were like, yeah, you just need to lose weight. <laughs> so that's what kind of sparked me to be like, okay, let's just shred and see what happens. And, and because it had been so long, I actually had to like requalify for nationals and stuff. So I don't remember what show I did, but I, I did some show to, to qualify for nationals. And after I got shredded from all that, it took me like nine, 10 months to get uh, ready for the show. So I looked really good. I, I put on, obviously, I put on some muscle in that time. Um, and I did the whole national circuit. I think I did. It's, it's, I can't remember now. I think I did. Uh, the first one I did was, whichever one was in Chicago. I did that one. Was it a regional show or a local show or was it a, a national? Oh, no. I was some of the first national show. So I don't remember what show I did to, to qualify. Yeah, so that was the I did that one and then I did um I did three. I can't remember so long though. So in Chicago, I know I went to Chicago and I placed maybe like in the top five or something. So I was like, okay, this is this this means I'm close. This means I'm close. So then I just did another one and I can't whatever. Whatever North Americans came around and I, I ended up getting second in that one. So it all happened pretty quickly. So like I competed maybe three or four times before I did my big bulk. And then I competed three times or so after that. And that was it. Um, so that was, that's my history with actual competing is, is pretty short. There's, there's not too much. It was, I wasn't big enough. I took a long period off to bulk up. I, I got my pro card naturally, which is what my goal was. And then from that point on, I was just like, I don't really know what else I can do with this because to go further, you have to <laughs> probably take some other things to make it to the next level, even if you have the great genetics and, and everything else to go along with it. So that's kind of where I stopped. So you, so you stopped because you figured that you couldn't be competitive without having to go the enhanced route? Yes, but also because I didn't enjoy it that much. Like maybe if I would have had more passion behind it, I would have considered that, but I just didn't, I didn't really like it. It was just kind of something that I was good at, had the right physique for. And I, I did have the work ethic. Like I was very disciplined. Like when I was training and doing, getting ready for my shows, I didn't miss any of my meals. I didn't party. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I was very committed to it, but I didn't actually like get all hyped up about competing. I couldn't see myself long-term doing it as a lifestyle. I just had too many other things that I wanted to focus in on. So it never really drove me, the actual competing part of it. It was just something like, that just gave me focus and gave me something to do. And once I graduated from Ohio State, I was like, well, 
I want to focus on my business. I want to travel. I want to live not in Ohio and all these different things that you might want to do with your life. Competing just consumes all of it. So I was like, let me just put that to the side. Maybe one day in the future, I'll do it again. After not doing it, I didn't miss it. So I didn't really feel the need to try to go back to it, even though I felt like I was genetically in the right spot to take advantage of that. No. Yeah. No, I totally get that because like for me, I obviously didn't turn pro, but like I experienced that same burnout of like doing the the cyclical dieting, going to the gym every, basically every day, especially whenever you're doing cardio every single day as well. Like, yeah, you just literally like an hour cardio, yeah. watching Netflix and everything else. Yeah. So. And then I was, I was also, I was working full time at a gym too. So like whenever I was competing, I was getting to the gym an hour and a half early before I had my first clients to do cardio. And then whenever I had a break in the middle of the day, I would train, I would stay, or I would just go to a different gym to work out. And then I would come back to the gym until like, you know, 7, 8 PM every single day. Right. Like mentally, I was just so burned out by that time. And like, sometimes I think about how having a different job at that point might have actually allowed me to enjoy competing for longer than I did rather than Probably. so quickly, because I would have been able to like separate that a bit more, but I, I still don't think that I would have had like that. I mean, like that, that fortitude to continue pushing was something that I definitely did not have the genetics for like you did, like you being able to turn pro naturally. And I was not able to do shit, even being enhanced. So like there's a wide genetic gap there. Right. So then I, shifted my focus a little bit more towards like strength and like wanting to do things there and like just, you know, being more performative. Um, but like for you, it's still like, it kind of blows my mind. The fact that like you turn pro so easily and then you're just like, fuck it, I'm done. Like that's, that's dope to me. That's like that Michael Jordan moment where you just like retire. <laughs> but like, do you, do you ever feel like you're going to have that point where you want to come back and do it again? Or you feel like, like you don't even think about it. Like you just want to enjoy the gym. You just mm -hmm. fitness. Yeah. So for me with the competing aspect, I don't, I'm not going to say I would never do it again. Um, but it's, it's definitely not something I, I'm worried about. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not thinking like when I'm older, I'd be like, oh man, I wish I would have chased that, yeah. that pro card, like competing in the, cause I don't watch the Olympia. I don't go to, that's not my, I've never, I, my idols have never been, you know, Roddy Coleman or Arnold Schwarzenegger or anything like that's, that's not what I really, um, grew up on. I, I'm an athlete first is what I like to think. So, you know, my growing up idols was Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, like those guys. So that's more so like the field that I see myself in is fitness in that realm. I'm still a basketball player first. I mean, I may not look like you can't shoot like it anymore, but that's, that's the kind of way I look at it. So I don't really have much passion to it. I think that the only way I would do it, and I've had a conversation with some of my friends about this is if it was with it with friends like for the community aspect of it because that can be cool because you know when you go to the show you see all these people doing it and um i don't have i don't coach athletes that compete but i know like you coach athletes that compete and uh, one of our mutual friends dylan and that, that whole community thing that you can build from that i like that like that's cool yeah. that's dope to be a part of that but the whole actual process of competing i don't really see myself doing it so if i do do it, it i want it to be something like I'm going to do it with a group of friends. We're going to go have this goal in mind, have some fun, see what happens. Um, so that's the only reason, the only way I can really see myself doing it. Yeah. And competing itself is just like a, a super solitary sport. 
like compete. Yeah, you're it's just a loner sport. For yeah. Sure. yeah. And and not a, like it's an individual sport, but you also kind of have to like say no to every social aspect of your life to be really, really good at bodybuilding. Like you can't go out, you can't stay up late and sacrifice your sleep. You can't go out. Yeah. And, and there's all these people that say that you can do those things, but you really can't. And like, if you take it, if you're trying to take it to the top, that's what I remember from my college is like, I think about it. And sometimes I'm a little bit sad about my college time yeah. because I was so committed to that. Like I, I, I were at Ohio State, you know, some amazing campus. I went to maybe three parties the whole time I was there. But at that time in my life, I was so committed to that. I don't, I can't even tell you really why. I think a lot of it had to do with what happened with my with basketball, football for me going into college. Like I was so used to being an athlete, always training, always preparing, having that team community. And then when I got to college, I was just like on my own. And I didn't really know how to spend my time. And I, I felt like I that was a purpose. Like I needed a purpose to something to lock in with. So yeah, I was I didn't really make that many friends at Ohio State except for the people like you that were at the gym. No, I, I actually was going to ask you about that next because I I often have a lot of, I mean, I wouldn't say regrets necessarily, but like I, I wish that I would have done things differently in college because I feel like my, my focus and like my energy and my passion were directed towards something that it was great in the moment. And like, yes, like working out and eating, eating right, quote unquote, is like healthy. But like, I wouldn't even say what we were doing was necessarily like the healthy way of fitness. So, you know, like it was very much pushing to the extreme in a lot of different ways. Um, and yeah, that's better than like drinking every night for sure. But there's still like an aspect of me that wishes that I would have taken more advantage, like what you said, of the fact that we went to like one of the best schools in the country in terms of like being able to cultivate those communities and being able yeah. to like, expand your reach and meet new people and like be a part of different clubs and communities and like, you know, make connections for the future. And like, I wish that I would have focused more on things that I guess were more important or I deem them important now. My yeah, that I twenty year old self didn't deem those things important back then. Um, but even just like, you know, enjoying myself a little bit more, like going out, shit, yeah, drinking some, like partying a little bit more. Yeah letting loose, like not being so fucking uptight all the time. Like I, I definitely wish I could go back and do certain things like that over again. Um, because as much as that can be a little bit destructive, if you get too out of hand with it, it's also like, it's fucking college, man. Like you're supposed to do yeah, that's what it's, that's what it's about. No, we're yeah. having a good time. And I, I was, I always like took pride in the fact that I didn't do it yeah. at that time. I thought that was cool. It was like, nah, bro. Like I'm turning 21 today. I'm going to the gym. Like, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. The mindset that you have at that time. And, but you know that's the, it got me the foundation that I need and put me in the position now and now we can look back and understand. But 100% agree. I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm always like, man, could have made some more friends. I could have took advantage of what Ohio State had to offer a little bit more instead of just being in the gym. And I also took my studies super serious. I was literally like, gym, books, gym, books, and that that was it. And then I hop and I was bulking. Probably found it all the time. Just <laughs> it. I hop. A hundred percent. That's the power triad right there. Um, no, we, we actually mentioned earlier in the conversation, you, you talked about your mom. Um, I wanted to ask you kind of to expand on like your mom's influence on your whole like fitness journey, because I know a little bit about your mom. I definitely don't know as much as I probably should know about her, but correct me if I'm wrong. At, at one point, didn't she hold like the plank world record or something like that? Or was that just like a gym? Myth? 
No, she did. She did. Yeah. Uh, she held the record for the longest uh, like abdominal plank by a woman. Um, she didn't afford it very long. It got broke like it, like a month later, but she did have it for a short period of time. It was 40 minutes and eight seconds. Um, and it was cool because they actually had like the whole camera crew and everything there. It was at the Anytime Fitness that I first was working at when I was younger. Um, and yeah, they recorded. It was the most like cool but boring 40 minutes ever because she's just standing there like this. And she had to beat 40 minutes and she got 40 minutes, eight seconds. So she did accomplish that. Um, but as far as like her influence from a fitness standpoint, um, it's actually not as great as a lot of people think. Yeah. Because it is more so now, but like when I was younger, because when I, when I was really young, my mom wasn't even into fitness like that. So it wasn't until she had my little sister who just turned 19, like last week. So I was, um, I think it might've been like, my freshman year of high school, something somewhere around that time, she just randomly started getting like super fit. So she was an optometrist assistant. That's what her job was all my, my life growing up. And then when I was getting into high school, she started doing that less, like taking less hours with that. And then she started doing like group fitness. I, I don't really know what triggered that for her. I don't really, I've never had that conversation with her after like, what made you just stop doing that and then go straight into fitness? But she just has such a bubbly personality that people are naturally just drawn to her, even before she was into fitness. So when she got into fitness and given our genetic triangle, like our genetics are crazy, I guess, because she was like a normal mom for a long time. And then she just got really fit really fast. Um, I don't even remember the transformation. She wasn't like obese or nothing, but she was just like a mom. You know? And then all of a sudden she's teaching Zumba and doing boot camps and lifting weights. And then she ended up doing a, a bodybuilding competition. Um, and she did, uh, she was also like a firefighter, professional kickboxer. She just took everything. It was like, she just started doing all everything, anything you could do fitness. Uh, so I got to see that transformation. And I think the biggest influence was I saw how her mood shifted. I saw how she, she was okay doing the whole optometry thing. Like she wasn't in a bad mood or nothing, but you nothing was bringing her joy like i saw when she started training people started becoming a trainer doing the group fitness and then i saw her being like oh but this is this is what i want to do and then she ended up quitting that optometry job she opened up at like a small gym in, in our hometown and she just started training people and that's kind of if anything that's what i took from it the most is how i saw her impact people and how that made her her spirit be, be greater and how it, it just filled her with pride that she was actually helping people um, and she had a purpose with her job. And that's kind of where I felt like that's the biggest thing I took from it because now I do the same type of thing as she is now with my business. And I always try to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward to to get a good result for our clients. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing from the standpoint of like actually her like pushing me. People like, did your mom coach you? I'm like, not once. Like she, she, she never was like, let's go five more reps. And I'm like a five-year-old that that was never the case. <laughs> it, it was just, uh, seeing kind of her journey. I just knew like, okay, like she's definitely, she's the most fit person I know to this day. Really? Like it's incredible what she's capable of doing now is very impressive. And that's another reason why kind of going back to the whole, like natural enhanced thing too. That's another reason why I, I would never really considered doing enhanced because I've seen what my mom has done naturally and how she's in such great condition now. And I've also seen like other people on the other end of the spectrum who've, who've abused enhanced route. And then there's a lot of unfortunate side effects, you know? So I was just like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to mess this up. Like I can see what can be done naturally for a long period of time. 
And I have a great example. I'm like, I'm always telling uh, my mom too, because right now she's uh, she's vegetarian and she's still shredded. I'm like, where you get your protein from? Like, how you look like this? She don't even she doesn't really lift weights like that anymore. Of course, she's older. She's 53 now, but she still looks phenomenal. So, yeah, it's uh, I definitely have some good genetics from her side, and then my dad as well, which we can get into if we want. Yeah, actually, like, yeah, go ahead. Like, does your dad train at all? Like, is he fit? Does he cares at all stuff? Not from a standpoint of like lifting, but um, he was a division one track athlete. So he was at University of Bowling Green. That's where he ran track. Um, he also was division one high recruit for, um, for football as well. So I never seen him like super shredded because he, as he got older, he didn't keep on, keep the, the, the like physique that well. I mean, he still does. He's not like overweight or anything, but not like my mom. <laughs> so I definitely have the, the genetics from both sides. My dad being a Division One athlete, my mom probably could have been a Division One athlete if she, if her, because my mom, um, or my grandpa's from Puerto Rico, so that is one thing that kind of impacted her ability to do sports or fitness at a young age, is because it's a cultural difference. My grandpa was like, "Nah, you're not playing sports. Like, you, that's not what women do." So she never even got to experience that until she was older in life and. And ended up being great for her at that point. How old was your mom whenever she actually started getting into fitness? Um, so she would have had to have been like early to mid thirties. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. That that is a pretty late start. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Cause, yeah, because because my sister is nineteen, so it's nineteen years ago. So she's and she's fifty three. So yeah, it would have been about that. No, and and that's something that like I, I think is an important lesson too because there is this feeling of like always being behind, you know, like I have a lot of people that would come into me, have conversations with me, um, you know, apply to work with us. And like, there is this, this feeling of like, it's too late for me to get started with this, you know? The um, is, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, maybe it's just because it's less and less taboo to get started with fitness and, and high level exercise and athletics at like younger and younger ages where, I mean, shit, you'll see like ripped, five-year-olds six-year-olds now you know i know it's crazy <laughs> yeah like like shit if i have a kid they're going in gymnastics immediately but uh, i think that can kind of be a little bit demoralizing for some people because if you're 30 35 years old and you've had 30 or 35 years of bad habits under your belt where you maybe haven't learned much about fitness or like the right way to eat or the right way to train or like how to take care of your body and maybe you have some of these like nagging injuries or aches or joint pains and you know health issues that are already starting to accumulate it feels kind of like you you can't get started right it's like that's an overwhelming idea to think about but you know you even just said like your mom she was just normal like she she didn't really think about that shit and she had three kids too yeah you know granted like she obviously has you know pretty elite genetics from what we can see now but like, I don't think that her genetics were responsible for her finding that like motivation, that spark to actually get started. hundred percent. Yeah. You don't know that you have those genetics until you actually start seeing the, like what's under the hood, you know? Um, and I guess maybe we can think about whether there is a genetic component to like motivation or like being attracted to things like fitness and exercise. And, you know, that might be an argument in itself, but no, that, that is actually a little bit different than like the story I had in my head of like your mom's fitness journey. Like I was expecting that she was that mom who was like five more reps. Like, dude, yeah, I like, that, yeah. yeah, like do a hundred sit-ups before you go to bed whenever you're 10 years old and shit like that. Like 
in my head, my, my mom had me dressed up like Carlton. So no, <laughs> no man, that was like the, that was the vision I had of your mom in my head. Um, but that definitely paints paints a much clearer yet different picture of your upbringing and like how you were able to kind of find your passion, like your route as well. Because I'll be honest, you know, like like I know you, but like I didn't really know how you got to this point. I, I never really understood like you know what made you want to to make that decision and like stick with being natural over the years because like for me it was a very easy decision for me to say I'm just gonna see what this path leads to with like you know using PDs like that was something I, I probably should have put more thought into at the time definitely I wish that I would have uh taken a little bit more time to do some more research and like figure out how the fuck to do these things right but it wasn't something that like I really had this like moral or ethical dilemma about to where like I needed to to pause that decision you know yeah. and there are a lot of people that are like me where they're just like fuck it I don't care like I'm just no big deal right but for you like you resisted that that like temptation and I'm sure there was like a lot of people who were like hey bro like can you imagine what you would look like if you also took this you know yeah that's where when I earned my pro card that's where like I had a lot of different since I'm not even in the industry, like not in the bodybuilding space, I couldn't even tell you yeah, who these people were if I knew. But there was people that came up to me and they were different coaches. Someone was like, oh, that's so-and-so's coach. It's so-and-so's coach. Um, they, they knew that I was natural because my mom, like, actually, she knew some people in the bodybuilding community. So, like, a lot of people knew that were, um, I don't know, judges or whatever. People in the space knew yeah. my mom and knew, like, she was natural and knew I was natural. And they actually, there was coaches coming up to me like, yo, like, I want to bring you on we can go next level we can start to do this like you look just like phil phil heath of when he was before he started using you look just like kai green before he started using and i was just like i don't care about phil heath they're kai green man like uh, i'm good so I, I i definitely got that from a lot of people in this space it's like you look good bro you can take it next level you can start using and i can i can t show you the way but yeah just never never had the passion in the sport for it was there like an underlying reason why you never considered actually going the enhanced route other than just like not really having that drive to pursue bodybuilding specifically that that far because dude it's it's a fucking temptation especially if you're someone who was always at the gym thinking about exercise and training and fitness all the time and for you even like you built your business a lot off i don't say a lot off of how you look but like it does it doesn't hurt Oh yeah, of course. You know, your like, board. Yeah. yeah, yeah, your body. Exactly. It's a walking advertisement, man. But like, it's really easy to like make justifications in your head for like why you would quote unquote need to like go that route. But for you, like you've been pretty steadfast your entire life about like, no, I'm just not going to do that. Like, I, I don't want to do that. I'm going to be natural. Like, is there is there an underlying reason why you've decided to stay natty other than just like not having that desire to take it the bodybuilding route? Yeah, I think my mom definitely had an impact on that. Um, she was like super against that. Uh, and she, I never showed interest. So she, it's not like she was like, don't do it. But I could just tell like her stance on that. She was like, no, like this is, this isn't the way to go about it. Like fitness is about health, you know, so that, that can become unhealthy very quickly if you do it the wrong way. So her influence and me and my mom are, are very tight. So like, I wouldn't say like if I did it, she would like, she would have been upset, yes, but I mean, it would have been fine. But I just, she always kind of was like, yeah, nah, you can say natural is fine. But I never really showed interest, so it was all good. 
Um, so I think that impact my mom just kind of seeing, like I already said, like seeing her process natural. I was like, yeah, I just want to be like my mom. Like she was my number one role model in bodybuilding. You know, I didn't care about the other guys. Like this, me and my mom are, are cool. This is dope. Like I don't need to be bigger than this. And I never really thought that the the big uh, bodybuilder guys were an aesthetic that I was drawn to. Like I wasn't, I never thought like, oh wow, that little be must be amazing to be that big. Like I was like, I'm, I feel pretty big right here. So like, I, I'm good. Uh, so yeah, just, I never was drawn to it. I can't even, that's really it. There really isn't any, I think one thing that actually happened that was right around the timing of if I would have decided to go that route, that might've been like my most vulnerable time when I first got my pro card. Um, this was super random. My dad lives in Dallas, Texas. And uh, he, this is whatever. I just wore my pro car. So 2016 or something. And he calls me and he's like, hey, uh, I know you're into all this bodybuilding stuff. Uh, my friend knows Rodney Coleman. Like when you come down, you want to work out with him or you want to meet him? I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll meet Rodney Coleman. So I go to Dallas, whatever, a couple months later or something. And I'm with my dad's friend who is Ronnie Coleman's workout partner. Super random. We pick up Ronnie Coleman from the airport and he's coming out in a wheelchair. He's coming out in a wheelchair. He, he just looks like he looks broken. You know what I'm saying? Like he got in the car. He still had that. Yeah, buddy personality, everything like he was really nice. But kind of like meeting him. That was another reason where I was just like. I don't, at that point, I don't know. I don't know if it's steroids. He also did a crazy heavy lifting and stuff. So there's a lot of reasons why, you know, he has the, the issues that he has now with his body. But kind of meeting him and going through that, I was like, man, do I really want to do, because he wouldn't even think he was just turning like 50 at that time. I was like, do I want that type of experience when I'm 50 years old? No. So that maybe had a slight impact too, because it was like right around that time when I was like, oh, should I keep competing? Should I try to do this naturally? Like, I never really thought about going the enhanced route, but I did think about continuing competing naturally just to see what I could do. Um, see if maybe I, I could compete naturally to some extent. I don't know, not to Olympia, but who knows? Um, so that was an interesting time too, where I met him and I was like, yeah, nah, <laughs> this, this, I'm not, it's not worth it. Well, with, with the Ronnie case specifically, like the way that he is right now, I think that you could probably say it's a little bit more, due to like his training style and like yeah I, I would agree to that too like but in that time period i didn't even, wasn't even sure like i don't really follow how he trained but yeah. actually knowing a little bit more i do agree with that well i i don't think that negates the point either way though like the point that you're making is more so about like going the ped route being inherently a little bit less sustainable than staying natural which i would 100 percent agree with you know um not even just the fact of if you decide to take PEDs, there's a high, high chance that you're probably going to be in some capacity dependent on them forever, you know, um, whether that's you just having like this psychological addiction to them where like you start feeling like Superman and like you can't accept the fact that you have to go back to this, you know, like Clark Kent type of figure, you know, like a lot of people get that. Um, that body dysmorphic type of effect from steroids where they just can't stop because they don't dribble uh, up and get smaller and all these things. Um, but then also like the hormonal aspect, right? Where like you start introducing exogenous hormones like testosterone and, you know, some of the more harsher drugs as well. Like you're going to start shutting down your natural systems and then you actually make yourself 
basically be dependent on those drugs and have to right. be forever. Um, so like there isn't a level of unsustainability to PEDs that just with nat being natural, like you just don't have to worry about that shit, right? Like the less things that you introduce, the less variables that you have to account for whenever you start to age. And it just makes life a lot easier, you know? Um, just the same, it's a, probably a shitty analogy, but like at the same time as someone who was like taking pre-workout and, you know, adding creatine to everything and has like a multivitamin for everything and has like, you know, protein powder, all like all these different supplements, like as soon as they stop taking those supplements, what's going to happen? Nothing, nothing's going to happen. But psychologically, they're like addicted to their supplements, you know? Yeah. You know, and, and like that's, Again, it's probably a shitty analogy, but it's the same thing. It's like the more variables, the more things that you start to introduce, even if they are making you healthier and making you more performative and, you know, making you bigger, like that's just one more thing that like psychologically or even like physiologically, like you're starting to become more dependent on. And the more natural you can be, like the less dependencies you can have, in my mind, that is better, you know, because for as much as fitness can be a little bit destructive if taken to the extremes with like bodybuilding and strength sports and stuff like that at its core it's supposed to be healthy you know like right. that's that's what it's here for <laughs> yeah and i think that's something i'm starting to really learn now you know like after years of of abusing my body in different ways i finally get to the point where i'm like jesus man like i just want to feel good like <laughs> yeah you gotta think about that that longevity yeah. component and that's a real thing um, you know, I've never had to worry about the whole one hand stuff, but like for me, one thing I struggle with so much is, is playing basketball because that's where my passion is. And every time I go play now, I'm like, I got to stop or slow down. Cause my knees feel absolutely horrible. And it's just like, okay. So I actually had to take a step back and think about more of like, okay, what can I train for longevity? Still look the way I want to look. And it definitely changes the way that you train. One thing that was really apparent to me, especially whenever I was at my biggest and strongest. And this would have been like 2019. Um, it, it was more so like every single time I trained, I became more and more consciously aware that like at any given moment, I could like be fucked. I could like destroy my body, right? Like, cause I was at, the, at that point, like deadlifting, you know, close to 800 pounds and like, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, like I was, I was benching, you know, five hundred pounds, and like it, like I was, I was a pretty strong dude back then. But every single time I would go to the gym, there would be like this intrusive thought, like, bro, like what happens if you tear your pec? What happens if like you you slip your discs? Like what happens if this or that? And in twenty twenty, I actually tore my adductor, um, and that was like a moment of clarity for me. It's like, why, like why am I doing this? You know, like why am I? training so hard why am i like going so heavy why am i abusing my body why am i in so much pain like like what where's that getting me like i don't want to be 40 years old i don't want to be ronnie coleman having to like wheel myself around for the next percent yeah next 50 percent of my life i i want to be able to enjoy the last you know five decades that i'm alive um but there are a lot of people man that like destroy their bodies in their 20s and 30s and it's crazy well they they just spend the rest of their life like in pain every single day and like you know had to have all these surgeries get addicted to painkillers and like i just did not want that outcome for myself and i think that was like a bit of maturity and i i needed to like have that wake-up call of having a, a pretty severe injury to like snap me out of that and see like the realities of the situation that i had put myself in at that point um 
but for me, like the PEDs thing, like, like I, I'm on TRT now, you know, like there's probably never going to be a time where I'm able to come off of TRT. You know, we'll see if, if at some point, like I try and have kids, like maybe that might be a moment where we try and like come off and like, you know, get the boys working again. But up until then, you know, like this is something that I basically like made that commitment and like kind of accepted, like to be at like a normal physiological hormonal level, I'm probably just going to have to take TRT forever. A part of me is like, whatever, it's not a big deal. But the other part of me is like, damn, that fucking sucks. Like, what about if we want to just like travel across the world? Like now I have to think about like, oh shit, like I have to pat my testosterone as well. Like, it's just one more thing that's annoying to have to, to mm. think about. Um, but for you, like, obviously that was a decision that you made pretty early on. And I think that you were a little bit more mature in like your decision making, which is congrats to you. Like, <laughs> I wish that I would have said it to that. Um, but dude, I'll be honest too, like being... For as much as like having the genetics that you have and being able to be natural and being able to look the way that you look, it's a blessing, obviously, but like it can also come with some pretty shitty things. And one of the shitty things is the fact that like everybody thinks that you're lying all the fucking time about being natural. Like I have a lot of clients that I've worked with over the years. I still work with that I know are natural. They're just like genetically freaks, you know, like they're just that like one in a million type of specimen where they're able to do things that most other people can't. And they look the way that most other people never look, even with supplements and with enhancement. And there are a lot of people that are going to look at you and be like, there's no fucking way that guy's natural. There's absolutely no way. So like, what do you say whenever people accuse you of lying or being on PEDs? Yeah, I think um, when I was younger, I would be more defensive about it. Because first off, it was like more like French. Like now, I'm just used to it. But um, I would, I would, I, you, I couldn't really say. Like, I can't prove it. They can't prove it either. But I can't prove it either. It's not like I, I've never done any type of um blood test. Or I, actually, I did a couple natural shows, so I did have to do like the whole like pee in a cup or yeah. lie detector test, whatever. Um, but besides that, like I've never, never even tested my blood levels for anything. So it's not like I can be like, here, look at this. And I'm sure if I presented that, someone would still be like, oh, you know, that was at a certain time or whatever, whatever. So I just say, hey, I'm natural. That's what I tell them. And just, it, I'm not trying to argue at this point. It's just like, it is what it is. Um, I've, I'll explain my story if they really start asking questions. If they're more coming at, coming out of that approach of like, they ask me instead of accusing, then I'm more open to kind of telling them my story about my history than being like, yo, I'm 30 years old now. I've been training since I was... 14 years old. So it's a long time. And I went through what got my first training certification when I was 19. So I understood how to train at a young age. Went to Ohio State, about to be an exercise science, started learning the nutritional component there. And then my mom has been a, has been a staple of like natural bodybuilding. Um, she doesn't really bodybuild. That's why I like this. Like she just, she just looks good, but she looks like a bodybuilder. So she, she's been a, a, a huge influence too. So I kind of just explained that story and some people believe me. Some people don't. If they don't, you know, I can't do nothing about that. And that's okay. I mean, obviously that's like the healthy mindset to have, you know? Um, yeah, it's because you can get caught up with it so easily because yeah. like, it just doesn't make sense. Like if you, if you tell them and they don't want to believe it, I'm not, I'm not trying to change their mind. <laughs> there are also a lot of people, especially online, that go on like crusades to to almost like gotcha these people that are oh yeah claiming natural but 
there's so many people on like forums and just these like different online communities that are are set up to like expose these like fakers right like these cheats people that claim natty that are actually enhanced and like the thing is is that there are so many people in the fitness world that are clearly enhanced but claim natural so yeah, like that's that's the problem that's where it hurts yeah you know, the real natural guys because then it's like everyone just assumes you're lying you can be if you have muscle mass in your league people are just gonna think you're on steroids now because of all the fake natties that have been accused and busted <laughs> one thing that I would encourage a lot of people to pay more attention, uh, pay more attention to whenever they're looking or before accusing someone of being enhanced versus natural is pay attention to like the genetic shape of someone, right? Like PEDs are not going to change someone's muscle ins insertions. They're not going to change the size of their skeleton. They're not going to change the, the dimensions of their muscles as compared to like, you know, their joints. So someone like early Phil Heath, you made that comparison. Uh, a little bit ago, you can look at Phil Heath whenever he was playing basketball. He's at University of Denver, right? Something like that. Uh, I know he hooped, but I don't know where. Yeah, I think it was like University of Denver or somewhere in Colorado. But um, you can look at pictures of him being on the court, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like the dude's insertions are crazy. Like you look at his arms; they just look like they're just popping out of his jersey. You can tell that the dude, like, if he just started training seriously, he would look like a freak. You know, like it was it was destined to happen. There are other people where, like, you look at childhood pictures of them whenever they're, you know, 15, 16 years old and they're playing sports and, like, they just look like string beans, you know? Like, they're just super thin or, like, maybe they're even, like, a little bit skinny fat. They don't have, like, the natural genetic component to just be an absolute freak of nature as soon as they look at a barbell, you know? Right. And there are, there is, like, a, a certain defining characteristic of, like, an enhanced physique and it's kind of hard to explain, but, like, it just looks a little bit, like, like dry and, like, vascular. You know, I like to say like, well, I don't know. Like, I I don't I try not to just look at people and be like, oh, he's definitely yeah, yeah. trying not to do that. But I know the look you're talking about. And I always say it looks like they just constantly have a pump. Well, it's like it's like a chickskin look, is what it is. Like, like a what? Like oh, a you see me? Look. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like the real, real thin, papery, yeah. and um, but you can kind of tell at a certain point too, where like people just have a look to them where it starts to look a little bit unnatural, right? And if it starts to look a little bit unnatural, borderline unhealthy, it's like, all right, that's where you're starting to get to the point where it's a little bit hard to continue to make those natural claims if you actually look unhealthy, you know? Because if someone is truly natural, they're going to look relatively healthy whenever they're just, you know, lean and walking around and like, they're not going to have like this horrendous like back knee and shoulder acne and like, their face isn't going to be all leathery looking. Their skin isn't going to be like purple. You know, it's like you just kind of have this this look to a natural versus unnatural physique. And it's not going to be always perfect to, to make these like subjective opinions. And I'm not going to like, you know, go on any online forums and start like, you know, throwing accusations around or anything like that because that's not what I do. But I've been doing this long enough where I can have a conversation with someone and relatively early on know if like they're bullshitting me or know if they're they're telling the truth whenever it comes to, like being natural right and again like i have certain clients that i've been working with for years i know that they're natural beyond a shadow of a doubt but like if you were to look at them without any experience or knowledge of them it would be very hard to believe that yeah especially women like like it's, i think women it's even more apparent because it's just so taboo even now to see like a very muscular lean woman 
walking around. So whenever you see that, you automatically think like there's something unnatural about that. They're like, that has to be enhanced. But dude, I'm telling you, man, like I've seen some, some women that could give most men a run for their money in terms of like muscularity and leanness. And like, I believe them when they say they're natural. So like, I, I, I think that most people severely underestimate what is possible naturally. I don't know if you, and it's just, it's just getting worse now. And I think it's because of the people that, that have been, um, rightfully accused, you know, like the liver King, like on my, um, YouTube, uh, on my YouTube shorts, I have like this YouTube short video from this was last year. I was in Tulum, Mexico, and I had treated that trip like a bodybuilding show. Like me and my roommate, uh, it was, we're visiting our friend that lives in Tulum. So we did like an eight week cut for it. I got down to probably like 174 ish, pretty shredded. I probably could have hopped on stage in like two weeks from that. Um, and I had this video at the Tulum Jungle Gym. You, you've been there? Yeah. So I've never been there, but I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks crazy, right? Obviously, look like the weights are all inflated with big wooden weights. So I'm doing a, it's just like a five second clip or something. I'm just doing chest press. I like do a little flex before I do the chest press. That video has, I think, 25 million views on YouTube shorts. And I kid you not, like 75% of the comments are just, yo, this dude's on steroids, steroids, steroids. It's either fake weights or steroids. Yeah. And the weights are real and I'm natural. So like, I don't just like, this is crazy. Um, but it just, because at that time, I definitely looked like I was leaner than I am now. So I got shredded for it. So I, I can understand. I'm not going to be like, I'm not mad that people are accusing it, but it's just crazy how many of the comments are just saying, without a doubt, like 100% without a doubt, this, this type of physique can never be natural. Like people just like really digging in, like saying that it's completely impossible. And it, it's it's not true. Like obviously I'm natural and there's other people with better physiques than me that are, that are natural. So yeah, I think that in general, most of the time now people just, they just, don't believe that they're underestimating the the natural capabilities of a lot of people. Why do you think people care so much about if someone else is natural? I think what, what my understanding is, what I feel like is people care if someone's lying about it. And that, that's valid. You know, I feel that because people always say like, oh, people, when they really try to come at me, they'll be like, oh, um, you don't want to lose your sponsorships or um, you're, you're selling these products. And I'm like, First off, I'm, I'm, I'm natural. I'm no, I'm good. And then like, really like my sponsors don't care if I was on TEDs, like, you know, I'm just with the protein sponsors and like, they're, they're cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that people, if you're lying about it, that makes sense why someone would be upset about it. Um, but other than that, I think it's just a lot of times people want to feel better about themselves. So they just say like, Oh yeah, I don't take steroids. I'll never be able to look like this dude, um, or get in the best shape of my life because they're just saying, "Oh, that's steroid. This is nothing that he did." And they don't have, especially in YouTube shorts, because they don't have any understanding of who I am. I don't get as accused as much on Instagram because people know know me. They see me more. Um, they've been following me for many years, so I don't get accused that much on Instagram. The YouTube thing is like more just random people, so they could just be assuming that I just started training last week and I look like that. Uh, so I think that that's part of the problem as well is that people don't take the time to look at the individual and see their history. Bro, YouTube is devastating. Those comments, horrible. <laughs> comments are so fucking toxic, man. Like every once in a while, we'll get like uh, 
a comment storm on YouTube on like one of our our posts or like one of our videos. Um, it always feels like it's just like a coordinated bot attack because it will always end up being like on one specific video. You know, whether that one like trips some algorithm and like everyone sees it or what. But like, bro, it'll be like a video of us demoing like a, a biceps curl or something. And we'll have like 50 people in there talking about like, that's not how you do a biceps curl. Like you're doing that. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. How, like, how can you do a biceps curl wrong? Like YouTube shorts, bro. It's, it's horrible. It's crazy. Um, but no, I, I would actually agree with you, man. Like, uh, I think a lot of it stems from this like internal justification that a lot of people need for their inabilities. Right. So it's just really easy to look outward and assume that everyone else is doing something that is like immoral or unethical or they're cheating. And that's explaining like why they're further ahead than you are, or not you specifically, but like, you know, someone else, why those people are further ahead than you feel like you should be, you know? And it's not exclusive to like bodybuilding or like the fitness world either. Like you can see this in even business where like, for, let's say for me example, I'm like, uh, or me, for example, I'm looking at someone who might be like further along in business or like, you know, have a bigger company or be ma making more money and more successful. And it would be really easy for me to look at that person and be like, man, like they're doing something that's like illegal or unethical or immoral, or they're like scamming people or they're doing this or that. And I can like tell myself that narrative forever and just like really convince myself that that's true. But it's so much easier to accuse people of that shit rather than just accepting the truth. It's like shit. Maybe they're just smarter than me. <laughs> like maybe they just work harder than I do. Maybe they've been doing this for longer. Like maybe they they know the right people. Maybe they do have some advantages that have been presented to them that I just didn't have. And like maybe that's a little bit unfair, but like it doesn't mean that they're doing something that's unfair, right? Right. And I think for the same thing, it, like with bodybuilding and like PEDs and like genetic component, like, dude, it's not fair that some people get, you know, top 0.001% genetics not fair that some people will have to work their entire life just to have a, an average physique and they might be doing everything better than you are or i am they might be working harder and eating better being more diligent and like being more focused and like doing all the right things but they'll never look the way that you or i do and like that's not fair that's for sure not fair you know like that sucks but at the same time like that doesn't mean that like you're doing something that's unethical or like i'm cheating like i'm not fucking cheating by taking peds i'm not like no one's telling me that i can't do that you know i'm not competing in a sport that is natural and then i'm like cheating that sport i'm not doing shit that's that's unethical yeah that's true yeah. you know what i mean like and i'm not claiming to be natural either so like that's one of those things where it's like people will will say stuff to me every once in a while it definitely isn't common but like every once in a while people will like say something that's like a little bit more meant to be like demeaning in terms of like PED use and like being enhanced. And I'm like, why does it even fucking matter what I do to my, with my body? You know, like I view me taking PEDs very similar, to like how someone else might take Adderall or someone else might drink, you know, it's like my body, I can do whatever I want to. I'm not competing in a sport or doing something where PEDs are prohibited because then yeah. getting into like those, that, like that is cheating. Because that's giving yourself an unfair advantage over other people that might be doing things different. But that that's always something that like it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around other people being so focused on everyone else around them rather than just like being like, what can I do better to improve my own situation? And maybe that's like a privileged statement for me to say that, but 
it's still hard for me to to put myself in the position of like an internet troll. Like I can't, I can't, just can't right? I can't assume their shoes, you know. Like I, I can't put myself inside their head and be like, oh yeah, like I totally get where you're coming from. Spending eight hours a day commenting on random people's YouTube videos, like telling them that they're they're lying about being natural. Like I just, I can never imagine that being me or my life. Like I'll never understand that mindset. Um, but I, I truly, I think it comes down to a lot of like insecurity, like just real, real deep insecurity that a lot of people have. Um, to where it's just easier to justify their own like self-esteem, self-worth issues by convincing themselves that everyone else is doing something that's unfair, you know? Yeah, 100%. No, I agree with that. And that doesn't help when you have people that are lying about it, that it's pretty obvious that they are on it. I think yeah. that that really hurts as well. Because if if the Liver King situation, that was really annoying. Because <laughs> as, as, as soon as that happened, all the comments on the post I was talking about switched to the next Liver King, the next Liver King, the next Liver King. I'm like, oh my gosh, bro. But I don't even, I can't even look at the, the comments on that post anymore because it's just, it's, it's insane. Um, it's crazy. So I don't, I don't even look at that post anymore. I, I'll check it out. Like, oh, I went up another million views. It's crazy. <laughs> well, dude, just in general, social media can be extremely toxic. Like, I, I know that you have a relatively large following. Like you've been able to like build your business off of that following to a certain extent but dude i'll be honest like social media for me is exhausting like like there are days like i don't i don't have anywhere near as many followers as you do and i don't have anywhere near as much responsibility in terms of social media as you do but like there are, are a lot of days whenever i'll like open instagram and be like i don't have the energy or patience to post or or post a story or respond to this dm I'm just like i i i can't be doing this right now like i my bandwidth is just so low. Like, I, again, you know, like you've been able to leverage that into, you know, a, a relatively healthy business. Um, but is there ever a moment where you're like, fuck, man, like I just sometimes wish I could go back to like, you know, a thousand followers or 2000 followers or just like refine that down to like just my closest friends and not have to worry about like all these other people that have grown to be my followers over the years. Oh, 100%. Because I'm not really... uh a social media person like naturally like if i wasn't doing this business i wouldn't be on social media. I, I would still be on it i'm not gonna say that but like from a consumer standpoint like with my social media what i'm looking at is literally sports clips and probably like like i'll see i don't know if you can see my dog back here and like dog and cat videos it's crazy right like i'm like i mean so i'll catch myself looking at that stuff and i'm like okay so but from the business standpoint, it's a must for our business. Like I have to be on there. I have sponsors and I have um, have obligations on there and I have all the followers and everything. And it's been amazing. I'm not saying that it's not good, but it definitely does. I treat it like a job. It's not something that I'm just like, like, oh yeah, like I can't wait to post this next Instagram post. That's not how I feel about it. It's it's turning into something that um, is just part of the business and that's how I treat it. And so yeah, there's definitely times where I wish it wasn't uh, something I had to do all the time. But at the same time, um, I feel very blessed and fortunate because I know so many people are trying to get to the point where they can have a following like like I have, and they can ask sponsors. And it's it's awesome because you can you don't have to be anywhere in a physical space with the type of work that I do. So I can be anywhere in the world. It actually allows you to be anywhere in the world because the more places you go, the more things that your followers see you do, the more you motivate them, the more you inspire them, the more you can help help them learn. So 
yeah, it's 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 definitely good, but there's aspects of it and there's times where I wish I could just kind of be like, ah, I don't want to post this week. Let me just chill out. But then at the same time, I know if I do that, there's a high likelihood that I missed out on some potential um, growth for our business. How much are you starting to like push into the business side of things these days? Like, is that really consuming a lot of your time and mental energy? Yeah, that's pretty much all I'm focused on. And there was kind of a shift as far as like what I was focusing on with business. Um, I would say probably about a year and a half ago, I was at first when I started to get the large following, I was really focused on trying to get like more sponsors because you learn really quickly that you can make a lot of money, like pretty easy. So for example, like you can get paid pretty good for, for one, for one single post from a, a brand, a collab post. So once I learned that, because to kind of help me learn that process, I actually signed with the influencer agency um, in 2021, I believe that was. And that's when my eyes were open. I was like, wow, you can really like make a living just off of this. I wasn't even thinking about the actual training business and fitness. My my mindset completely shifted to just being an influencer, um, of course, still in the fitness space. Um, but then it kind of hit me when I had a, had a partnership with a brand. I'm not going to name any names, but I had a partnership with a brand that fell through and I was making a good amount monthly just from them. And it fell through like within three months from signing the contract for a year. And that kind of was a wake up letting you know, like you could think you got yourself locked into this. It's a year contract. You're feeling good. All it took was someone got fired in the business, changed something, and then I'm gone. And then it, it, I was just another athlete to them, whatever. So when that happened, I was like, I was devastated at the time because I worked so hard to get like a, my first big contract uh, where I'm getting paid mostly for posting and everything. And that's when I realized, nah, I, I got to focus on on me and my business. Like that was something that I could always fall back on. These other brands, you know, anything could happen. So that's when I really started to focus in. My girlfriend and I started uh, our Intention Athletics, our training business online. And then that's been our, our biggest focus. That's where most of my kind of mental energy is going to. And then of course, you know, I still accept brand deals if it aligns with what I'm doing and showing on my socials. But really now the focus is just the training business. That's the number one um, priority. No, I am definitely ignorant to the influencer side of things. and like the brand deals and like the partnerships and um, you know, maybe it's just the products of me not having that big of a following comparatively, you know? I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't know either. You know, like yeah, yeah. if I didn't have the whole, um, the experience with the, uh, I, I, I don't even, I guess it's just an influencer agency out yeah, like a, yeah. a, a influencer slash model agency. If I didn't have that experience, I would never have known because before that I had just started to, to kind of catch some traction, get some following and I would be taking, you know, like. $80 for a post when then I got with the agency like dollars, you could be getting a thousand for that type of post. I was like, Oh really? So just going through that experience just helped me out so much. Yeah. That's like, that's absolutely wild. But then you also think about too, like I, this immediately makes me think about how many people I know that have not even just tens of thousands, but like hundreds of thousands of followers. And like, I think for the lay person, they don't assume that that's like, a route to monetization that directly, but like, like I'm not gonna lie, dude. Like that's kind of blowing my mind. The fact that like you can make that much money just for like these sponsored posts, you know? Because I would imagine like fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, like you know, in my mind that makes a little bit of sense. But like 
a thousand dollars, like multiple thousands of dollars for like uh, a part of the post. Like that's, that's a lot of fucking, you can make a living. Like you said, like you, you don't have to work. That's, that's pretty wild. Dude, that's great. So I think like the first one that I, when I went with the agency, the first one I got was like 2000 for one post. Yeah. And I, I was like, what's it like <laughs> i can do this i and that was just literally just one post and you had i had to post uh like that and on my story with the the website the link click the link it was some um cbd brand so it's just like crazy right <laughs> do you do you feel like there's ever like an internal struggle with like man like i really want this money like i really want to be able to like be this like influencer that can live off of my earnings doing this because obviously you spent a lot of time building up your following and your brand, your own personal brand. Was there ever like this internal conflict of like, I also don't really want to like quote unquote sell out. And like, I don't want to like post about anything or like partner with anything that like I tr don't truly believe in, or I don't want to like tie myself to a company that maybe has some other shit that like, I'm not seeing going on behind the scenes. Like that would be my concern is, you know, what if I accept a partnership deal with like this company and then, you know, like a, a few weeks or a few months later, shit, even like a few years later, like all of this like horrific shit comes out about that company. And like now your name and your, your personal brand are tied to that. And like, I, I don't know if this is something that I'm sure it is something you've thought about, like you did think about, but like, was there ever that internal struggle for you? Yeah, hundred percent. I think when it first started happening before I got uh, with the influencer agency, I was like way more open to taking kind of like something yeah. like not that it was a bad product or gimmick or something, but something like I'm like, am I really gonna use this or like do I really believe in this? I don't know, but shoot, they give me a hundred dollars, so cool, I'll post it. Um, that was a little bit early on, but then once you start to realize, you have to like, okay, I gotta stay true to myself. You don't want your followers to be like, yo, this guy's just a a, a fake. He just taking on whatever. So yeah, really quickly, I kind of learned. Okay, I only want to associate with brands that I believe in. Um, and like products that I would actually use or think are beneficial for myself and my audience. So that's why you don't really see me like talking too much about different things. And that shift was so much easier when I made the decision to focus on the training business more as my number one priority. Cause then it's like, I'm only going to do stuff that makes sense for myself, uh, our business and my clients. Like that's, that's it. If I don't use it, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but if it's a good message and I believe in it, I'm consider it even if i don't use it but i want to try it first like i want to make sure that it's legit before i start telling people to go buy it or whatever so yeah there's there's a lot of that at the beginning it was a little bit overwhelming when, when i started to have a, my following grow because there was a lot of just super random stuff coming out of nowhere It'd be like some like amazon product and it looked like it was gonna break in one week but i was like they said they're gonna give me a hundred like should i do it um but yeah you just kind of just like anything else you want to be true so you, you kind of, once you start to see it more, you understand, okay, this is something that doesn't really seem that legit. Let me stay away from that. And let me focus on what my business is and the other stuff will just come when it comes. No. And I, th I think that's a good segue. Like, what are your goals for the business? Like, where do you see yourself taking the business, the the training, the, the, the fitness side of things, working with the clients? Like, do you have a, a bigger picture goal or is this something that like, you're just trying to figure out as you go? Uh, I would say the latter is trying to figure out as we yeah. go because right now it's just uh, my girlfriend and I. Um, we actually just we had a conversation. I had a conversation with you what two weeks ago and kind of just talking about bringing other people into the business. So we did have uh, we have another assistant coach that 
kind of doing like a, a little I guess trial period, see how it goes, seeing how it is working with someone outside of just my girlfriend and I. Um, but I think for the most part, we're just kind of going with the flow. Right, it's, right now, it is our number one source of income, and we enjoy doing it because I think that being a trainer is can be very rewarding. And we believe in our products, and we believe we do a good job with our clients. Um, our clients see good results, so it's it's rewarding. But they're really, I don't can't see an end goal in sight right now. Like I don't. People are like, oh, do you want to have your own gym or something? I'm like, that would be cool, but like that's not an angle. Um, I really just try to figure out what route can we take with this business to continue to help people and continue to grow um, and allow like more freedom for myself and my girlfriend so we can do the ultimate goal for me, which is traveling. Because I, I like, that's my one of the things that I, I didn't really get to do when I was younger. I've uh, done it a little bit the last couple of years. And that's something that I believe is just priceless. Like, when you can change your perspective, when you travel is amazing. Spent some time in China coaching there. Um, been to Mexico multiple times the past year. And just being in different countries, really, I feel like that's something that always helps me grow. So I love to do that more. And having an online business allows you to do that. So as long as we can continue to to grow, and I think that we will be traveling all around. Hopefully we can have clients in all parts of the world. I mean, that, that resonates a lot with me. I, I view things very similar to, to how you stated them there. Um, like I'm super business oriented and I'm super driven, but at the same time, like I understand that it's almost all a means to an end. Like I want to, I, I want freedom. Like, like that's what I yeah, want freedom. That's the thing. I want to be able to do things whenever I want to do them and not have to worry about other shit. Like I don't want to have to ask time off from work. I don't want to have to worry about finances. I don't want to have to, you know, have these back of the mind anxieties just to be able to do things that I want to do, whether that's travel or whether that's go to a music festival or whether that's, you know, like have a date night or like go, go buy this thing that like, I really want, want to purchase. I just want that freedom. And, and honestly, dude, like we're in a, a great position with what we do and like what we're capable of doing in the fitness world. Like anyone who starts to get traction as a coach with like a, a training company or just in general with like a coaching business, like you know, immediately like, Hey shit, like if I continue with this, like I'm, I'm going to be able to get to that like point of freedom, you know, it's not easy though. It's, it's like definitely not easy. And I think that a lot of people, um, go through a period at the beginning where there's like this illusion of it being easy because the beginning is easy, like, because you're motivated and like, you haven't been burned out yet, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's like doing it for a really long time, like figuring out ways of doing it better more efficiently. And like, you know, not having these periods of distraction and like falling off and like trying to get back on and all that shit like that's whenever it starts to get really challenging but honestly it is super rewarding it's better than 99.9 percent .9 of other jobs but oh no that's the thing it's like you can't get mad when you help people you know as long as we're doing a good job which i know both of us do as coaches that with our businesses yeah it's like it's all good because people are going to see results at the end of the day that's that's a big it's so rewarding when people are like happy with what you're doing Cause a lot of people that are working, they're doing stuff that they almost feel like they're like a gimmick. Like, oh, I'm just trying to sell something that doesn't work or this, that, or the other. No, like, this is health and fitness. It's a beautiful thing. I, I'm right on, right on board with that. Uh, and I actually think that's a great place for us to to call it and wrap this up. Um, man, I appreciate you doing this with me. I know that you have a hard cutoff here coming up, so you can go take yep. five thirty. <laughs> but before we head out, like, do you want to give everyone just? Where they can find you just like plug some of your socials and and like your youtube and all that yeah cool so my biggest platform is instagram it's just my name uh stefan underscore rivera clack 
Uh, and then on YouTube, I actually don't even know my YouTube. I think it's just my name. I think actually no, I think it's Click Clack because that was my nickname back in high school. So it's I think it's Stefan Rivera Click Clack. Um, so but you can find everything through Instagram. That's the biggest thing. Go no, awesome man. That sounds great. Again, really appreciate you doing this. And of course, thanks for having me on. Definitely have to do it some other time. Yeah, we got to link up. Get another workout in for sure. <laughs>